Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning, the following broadcast contains adult language, adult content, frank safety discussions, and stories that might sound unbelievable. But believe me, every one of those stories is true. We didn't start the safety war, but we are going to fight to win it. For our families, for our communities, for our workplaces, and for our lives. Tomorrow is Friday the 13th. So welcome, again, welcome to Safety Wars for Thursday, January 2023, and we're from the border of liberty and prosperity. Well, the uh, state of liberty and prosperity, that is New Jersey, had a possible earthquake this afternoon. And I, there was a loud boom uh, not too far away from uh, where I live, where the where our broadcast studios are in Clarkstown, New York, and uh, they're investigating that. Well, people don't realize, I didn't know this until I was in college and I got, uh, I'm was researching something else in what we used to call a library. Uh, I don't know, do we still have them? Yeah, I'm all, I know, I'm only joking. Everybody searches, you know, the, you know, you can search your whole database at your library from the comfort of your home since I was in grad school in 2003. But, uh, no, uh, the nice thing about libraries and books is that you're able to come across books that you would have never been able to see, never realized were there, and you have the ability to browse. You're like, oh, crap, I didn't know that. Oh, you know, and anyway, so I came across a book on earthquakes in New Jersey. And lo and behold, New Jersey has a lot of earthquakes. Fortunately, they're like more tremors, like one or two on the Richter scale, that sort of thing, centered in northern New Jersey, uh, around the uh, foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. So, we got a lot going on today. A major uh, story out of OSHA today. The pe- right, so the uh, on or about the 15th of every year, and in this case, it's going to be the 17th because of the federal high, uh, federal uh, because 15th falls on a Sunday, and we have Martin Luther King Day on Monday, which we plan on broadcasting that day, and then uh, Tuesday we have uh, you know, the 17th, so it's the 17th, these are going to take effect are the maximum penalty amounts uh, for OSHA. So uh, they're being raised. So uh, basically, this is what it comes down to. In uh, 2015, uh, Congress uh, authorized the... uh, There's a little bit more history with that. It wasn't Congress. It was, uh, I believe, the administration that time, uh, the Obama administration, had uh, just raised the penalties under OSHA under some other, with authorization from another federal law that was never applied. And every year around this time, January 15th, the laws, uh, the penalties 
go up. So what we're looking at for uh, 2023 is a serious or other than serious or posting requirement, a maximum penalty of $15,625 for violation, a failure to abate. We're looking at a maximum at of Fifteen thousand six hundred twenty-five per day beyond the abatement date that you're given on your OSHA citation, or a willful and repeated violation, uh, maximum penalty of one hundred fifty-six thousand two fifty-nine. And as always, these things are almost always negotiated downward, vacated, what have you, uh, settled out of court. Uh, as we mentioned on Monday with Carlos's law in New York, I don't know if uh, now if you're doing business in New York, whether or not the violation happened in New York or or not. I see a lot of these things being contested because my understanding is that you could probably build a criminal case. Uh, I'm not an attorney; I don't play one on TV. Uh, based on uh, no, uh, New York may be able to build a criminal case against you, or at least a pattern of negligent behavior if you have a whole series of uh, OSHA violations in other states. That's often what happens. So something to keep uh, an eye on. Or uh, let's say that there's a violation in another state that might uh, end up with litigation in New York and impact litigation in New York. I don't know. We'll see how that all plays out. So... That's something uh, we need to be aware of. And if I was everybody, uh, Monday, I would uh, probably do a, uh, on Monday, I probably would do a uh, uh, email or Friday, you know, because Friday afternoon emails don't often get read until Monday anyway. I would craft a nice email to your uh, management group saying, hey, just FYI, OSHA violations, right? The penalties are up. So, the other thing is, if you are an outreach trainer, remember to update those uh, PowerPoint presentations and handouts and everything else. Another uh, another uh, press release from the U.S. Department of Labor. OSHA has cited a company for five violations of workplace safety standards after its investigation of a fatal arc flash or an arc blast and. Austin's Beacon Hill neighborhood in July of last year that led to a worker's death. Investigators found out that uh, the employer did not fully de-energize the electrical equipment or follow the manufacturer's maintenance recommendations when the employees conducted maintenance, failed to make a reasonable estimate of the heat energy to which employees would be exposed if an arc flash blast occurred, did not adequately train employ- the employees on electrical equipment hazards, provide rescue equipment, nor test oxygen levels before employees entered a vault. So uh, the, uh, this is from OSHA's area director, James Mulligan, in Braintree. Quote, ever... S- well, I did not say that. Uh, the company could have prevented this arc flash and blast, and its tragic outcome by ensuring effective and necessary training, procedures, and work practices were provided and followed. The company knew the hazards related to this type of high-voltage equipment, yet it failed to safeguard its employees as the law requires. They were cited for two willful and three serious violations for a total of 
$333,560. But as we know, everyone's innocent until proven guilty. These things get negotiated downward or vacated and or litigated. You know, things could go any way here. So let's take a view of the citations. I have them right here. And let's remember they have 15 days to contest this before this becomes final. I'm scrolling on down. Do, do, do. Okay, here we go. Citation one, serious. 1910, 29 CFR 1910-269, that is a uh, general industry, right? So this is probably a general industry project. Each qualified employee did not receive adequate training in the recognition of electrical hazards and techniques necessary to control or avoid them. Uh, those are most likely be NFPA 70E uh, type training and some uh, and other, which would incorporate that with the OSHA uh, stuff. That's normally the way that goes. Uh, citation number two. Serious, the employer, this is 1910-269 again, the employer did not ensure that provided rescue equipment was utilized to ensure for the prompt and safe rescue of employees from the enclosed spaces. So this sounds like a confined space entry deal they were going into uh, with this. Uh, let's read down a little bit more. Before an employee enters an enclosed space, the atmosphere in the enclosed space had not been tested for oxygen deficiency with a direct meter, direct reading meter or similar equipment. We're not talking a torch or anything like that. We're talking an actual thing that's able to measure oxygen, right? Uh, cable of collection and immediate analysis of data samples without the need for off-site evaluation. So... That's an E9, 1910-269 E9. And we have a uh, type of violation, willful or serious. This is a uh, uh, general duty clause violation. So uh, let's talk about this. Uh, on or about, blah, 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 employees were exposed to electrical hazards, including arc flash, arc flash burns, and smoke inhalation. Or in the alternative, uh, the employer, and this is a regulation in here, the employer did not ensure that each employee exposed to hazards from electric arts wore protective clothing or other protective equipment that had an arc rating greater than or equal to the heat energy estimated. But they didn't even estimate it, right? Of this section, whenever the estimate exceeded two, cal uh, two calories per centimeter squared. So, uh not the right PPE, no uh, uh, recognized, uh, no, uh, no journal duty clause, free of recognized hazards or anything else. That's a $145,000 fine there. So, do citation two, and here we have citation two, item two. Again, another willful one for $145,000 for each employee exposed to hazards from electric arcs. The employer did not make a reasonable estimate of the incident heat injury to which the employee could be exposed. Wow. So $145,000, another willful. So that's how it is. That's the score, guys uh, and gals out there. 
but what does it come down to? Right? I don't have a copy of the accident investigation, but I... What do you need to do? The three A's. Assess your workplace hazards, analyze what they are, and act. You have to do an assessment here. Apply the hierarchy of controls, right? Along the lines of you eliminate the hazard, you uh, substitute a lesser lesser hazard for a greater hazard. No, a greater hazard. You eliminate the greater hazard, you get a lesser hazard. I can never get that straight. Uh, Engineer it out. Administrate and then PPE as the last. So uh, that's something going on. We we people don't realize how hot these arc flashes get. So uh, let's look do a quick Google search here. All right, temperature of an arc flash. I know what it is, but I didn't want to uh, guess here. So this is from. Canadian Center of Occupational Health and Safety. Arc flash, right, could be. Hold on, hold on. And it, oh, here you go. During arc flash, now an arc flash returns to the flash of light and heat that is created when energy is released between a live conductor, another conductor, or the ground. During an arc flash, the energy release heats the air to extreme temperatures such as almost 20,000 degrees Celsius. That's 35,000 degrees Fahrenheit. At these temper- high temperatures, items within a three meter, uh, within a three meter radius, such as clothing and skin, right? Uh, will catch fire, melt, or vaporize. In addition, an arc blast will create an arc blast. The heated air expands suddenly and creates a powerful pressure wave. So uh, this has inspired me uh, when I started learning about these, never to screw with electric ever, right? The other, so what are some of the things that we get with this? Let's say you're a safety professional. You go out to a job. This is all in my experience here. And... What kind of people manage electric, do you think? What kind of people do you think? Uh, electricians? Okay. So what are the challenges you're going to have unless you are an electrician or a, uh engineer that handles electric? You don't have to be a licensed electric, electrician to handle electric. Uh, you can be a registered professional engineer uh, rated in NFPA 70E, things of that nature. But normally those people are. Uh, what, 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 what's the main thing? An electrician often, because the company culture, feels that you're impeding on his or her domain. So if you're going to be working with electricians, trying to develop a lockout-tagout policy, lockout-tagout procedures, anything like that, I would suggest you get in on the electrician's good side, quote-unquote good side. If it's a union shop, take this shop steward, get them some donuts, lunch, what have, butter them up a little bit, him or her up a little bit, treat them with respect, because they're usually the gatekeepers on anything to do with lockout-tagout, or 
arc flashes or anything like that in the workplace. You have to get them to be on your side. So it would help if you go and you get them on your side. The worst thing that you want to do is go into a situation where you have to go and develop a lockout tagout policy or a plan or procedure or anything else, and you have an adversarial situation because electrician, number one, now, like we know, uh, workers are normally going to know how to work safely and regardless of what your procedures are, and they're going to rely on their experience. Their experience. Most people have not had an arc flash, thank God. But where the issue comes up is that because they haven't had an experience with an arc flash, never seen an arc flash, they think it's never going to happen to them. So what ends up having to happen is you end up having, you get resistance. They're not going to give you all the info. They're going to say, you know what? I don't really want to go through the procedure, so I'm not going to give this person all the info. That happened to me about five times in my career. And uh, we ended up having to get management involved when I was, this is when I worked in corporate America as a health and safety consultant because they weren't, you know, it's their domain. They would have been much better hiring a company who had a uh, actual electri- uh, a, a specialist in electri- electricity to help them write the uh, procedures. I was, no, did the job get done? Absolutely got done. Did it get done correctly? Absolutely got done correctly. But it was a hard, it was like pulling teeth to get there because had they been dealing with another electrician or somebody who was a qualified individual with this electric, it, now now you have some credibility. You have you're able to set up a rapport with them and everything else. I'm sure other people would have been able to set up a rapport. Some other people, some, but these people weren't being cooperative at all. So that's what you need to do, right? Again, get along with people, find out you know. Uh, how things operate. And to be honest with you, I've got calls on lockout, tag out and everything else. Uh, no, I'll do the training and everything, but I'll normally shy away from this type of work unless I could bring someone else in. Right. And with that, so uh, that's what my suggestion is, is bringing someone else in. So we have some breaking news here. Uh, Lisa Marie Presley was rushed to the hospital. If we recall, Elvis's birthday was yesterday. No, I was not off for Elvis's birthday. Uh, as I'm uh, involved. Uh, oh, by the way, the extended family is recovering from COVID. So uh, making a good successful recovery from COVID. But I was involved with uh, taking care of business with them all, all week. And uh, for that, on Monday, and I'll skip ahead on Monday, no, I mentioned, I just remembered, Monday, uh, I'm probably not going to be on the air. I have a meeting that I normally go to the third month of every, uh, the third Monday of every month. So if I am on the air, it'll be a pre-recorded program. Pardon me, I just drank a big thing of iced tea here. Uh, so... Uh, Priscilla Presley, the mother of Lisa Marie Presley, is asking for prayers for her daughter. So let's see if there is an update here. She apparently went into cardiac arrest. 
what is there an update here? Because I'm looking at an article that's several hours old. And all the articles are several uh, hours old here. So uh, the apparent cardiac arrest. Uh, my question is, why is uh, why are there so many people going into cardiac arrest? I think it's a little bit odd, you know? Uh, another story out of Harris County, that is uh, Houston. Harris County commissioners and local labor leaders announced in a press conference on Monday, right? When was this? Yeah, from Monday, that their first order of business in 2023 will be addressing the alarming construction worker death rates in the county through workers' safety policy for construction businesses. The safety policy is part of a Build Houston Better Coalition aimed to upgrade and expand workplace protections for employees and contractors in the country. I'm sorry, in the county. The press at the press conference, Paul Puente, the executive secretary of the Houston Gulf Coast Building Construction Trades Council, said this legislation is essential because of the startling amount of workers who die on the job. For years, Texas led the nation in occupational fatalities, the majority of those deaths in the construction industry. The policy requires all managers and employees overseeing manual labor to have OSHA training. Employers are also set to pay for the training. So they're talking, they're not specifying what, but I imagine OSHA outreach uh, training for the Houston area. Possible business opportunity there. Let's take a break, and I'll be back with you in a second. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with The Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with The Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with The Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Polzel with Safety Wars. And we're going to go to some financial news. So stocks uh, were up today because uh, the latest uh, inflation data showed cooling price pressures for the sixth consecutive month, likely keeping the Federal Reserve on track to slow its pace of interest rate increases. My comment on this is this. All right. A couple of ways you can pursue excellence. A lot of ways. We cannot pursue excellence by saying we're doing better than everybody else. And uh, right. We're doing so. Yeah. It, yeah. The economy is looking good, blah, 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 compared to everybody else. 
that would be like in the industry. Well, yeah, we're doing really great safety-wise compared to everybody else. All right? That's not a good way to sell something, in my opinion. You want to say, yeah, you know, you're doing good. We got things going. We're going to talk, no, judge us on ourselves. When you get the attorneys and litigators in there, then you can say, well, look, we're better than everybody else here. But internally, to sell safety, well, you know, that, that's not a way to do it. You got to pursue excellence in what you're doing every day. All right. That's what you need to do. Uh, let's see uh, what the numbers are here. We had the Dow Jones Industrial, as we said, we're up at 34,189.97. S&P 500 is up today, 39,83.17. NASDAQ at 11,001. Russell 2000 at 1876.06. Treasury notes are down. The 10-year Treasury notes are trading at 3.462%. Bitcoin is continues to rise. And remember, all these numbers that I give is just at the time of broadcast, which is we're live tonight. So it's 8.24 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or it's afternoon drive time on the West Coast at 5.24 p.m. A lot of these uh, thing markets, they're going 24-7, six days a week. Some of them like the, uh, and these are what we're seeing right now. Crude oil is down today, 78.26. And Bitcoin is continues to rise to eighteen seven ninety nine forty. Uh, it's up. I mean, it's up from what it was. Precious metals. We have gold nineteen oh seven forty. Silver at twenty four oh nine came down slightly. Platinum down slightly one thousand eighty eight fifty. Uh, let me click on something here. Yes, that is down. Slightly up from earlier this week, uh, uh, from late last last Friday, platinum. Uh, so it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, and it goes down. So it's uh, hovering around the uh, high 1,000s, right? Almost 1,100. Palladium is down slightly, 1,826.50. So that's what we have for financial news. Uh, what, do we, no, what's, what do we have to work on? We have to work on long-term success. And remember... These numbers that we're seeing here, uh, from regardless of the source and everything else, they don't necessarily apply to you. How's that sound? You have to be in charge of your own financial well-being and everything. Your own thing. Yeah. Will that impact you? Do you have to be? Yeah, you have to be aware of it. But be, be more uh, aware of what your specific situation is and your long-term outcome. Well, a lot of good things happened during covid Yes, unfortunately, we had one over, what's the number, over 1.1 million deaths in the United States alone here uh, with uh, COVID. Uh, a lot of people built a lot of, a lot of capacity into their systems with COVID. Remember, we would not be here on the air if it weren't for COVID. So we built our capacity, built our skills here. We launched the Safety Wars podcast, some with Safety Wars Live, back in October of last year. All right. No, I'm sorry, it was September of last year. Boy, time flies when you're having fun. And everything else that goes into it, you start you know, to build capacity. So if you're, if you're out of work, right? And I know unemployment's slow here, but if you're out of work or whatever, uh, you're looking for a new job, try to build capacity into your system. Go out there, read that safety book. 
go out there and take that safety class. There's a lot of free classes out there you can search for. Listen to all of our people here on Safety FM, all 18 of our people, 17, whatever it is, uh, of our people here. We got great uh, resources here for you. And uh, Sheldon Primus, or Primus, right? Sheldon Primus. I'm from New Jersey. It's Primus. Everywhere else it's Primus. Uh, He uh, has a great program coming up in the next couple of months on uh, trainer class for hydrogen sulfide trainer. Uh, he released two podcasts this week, uh, one last week, the one this week on the training. It's pretty uh, impressive, I might say. I might t- uh, do that on myself if I could chisel out some uh, part of my schedule. So that's something you need to uh, consider. No, consider, uh, consider the optimism. Build capacity in your system. Here's some news from the IMF. The IMF sees the world economy rebounding, yet still fragile. And they're saying uh, the global recession can be avoided, right? Uh, if China continues these pandemic restrictions and Russia, Russia's war in Ukraine does not worsen, uh, the head of the Katrina Georgieva, Kristalina Georgieva of the IMF, is saying we can rebound from this. So that's some positive news for 2023 potentially. So let's go on to some other news here. Out of China, we have some China news here. Satellite imagery may show real impact of China's COVID outbreak as country reopens. This is from CNN today. They had reported that there are huge amounts of uh, indications of crematoriums and other things for uh, all the uh, uh, people impacted the, who died from COVID recently since they reopened their borders. Here, another one. Uh, China, right? Uh, with FBI search, U.S. escalates global fight over Chinese police outposts. So as it has been reported and very well uh, documented by the... Hold on, I'm getting a beeping here. Okay, we're going to uh, put on some music because I have a smoke detector going off here. We're going to go to some music. Okay, we are back. Again, this is live radio here. So, we had an alarm go off in the background. It sounded like a smoke alarm, but it was 
for something else. Strange. So if you're beeping in the background, it's not an emergency. The house is not going to burn down. So here, uh, do, do, do. By the way, that was the Polish national anthem you heard in the background. So the Epoch Times, and for a complete disclosure here, I do read the Epoch Times. Uh, it's based out of, uh, for us, is a local paper out of upstate New York, uh, run by uh, the Falun Gong religious uh, religion, right? Which uh, is no. As of late, the last 30 or 40 years or so, uh, they've been heavily persecuted by the uh, Chinese government and some of the other uh, Asian governments. But they've been running a newspaper, uh, the Epoch Times, for a couple of years. I don't know when they started. Pretty good newspaper. But they're uh, 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 pro-Taiwan. is number one. They're, and they're up front about it. Now, this is what we are with Falun Gong. And they've documented a lot of uh, this issue here for a long time with Chinese agents and Chinese intelligence assets in the United States. It's glad, I'm glad to see that the New York Times is now documenting some of this stuff. But uh, basically, what they're... Uh, uh, now, what it comes down to is this. They're collecting uh, information on out, on uh, Chinese citizens and whatever Chinese interests the Chinese government here. Now, if any of us, all right, if any of us think that we're not doing, in the United States, doing this to other countries, then, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a bridge over in Brooklyn not too far away from here I want to sell you. Number one. Number two is that there's some... Uh, uh, criticism of our own police forces where they're relying more on uh, public records to collect intelligence rather than actual field work. I don't know, but it's, uh, you know, it's happened, uh, you know, uh, FBI counterintelligence agents searched a building last fall as part of a criminal investigation being conducted with uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office or the search represents an escalation of global dispute over China's efforts to police this diaspora far beyond its borders, right? I, I, Irish, Canadian, Dutch officials have called for China to shut down police operations in their countries. The FBI raid is the first known example of the authorities seizing materials from one of the outposts. So there was a raid. I mean, we have Interpol operating in this country, in the United States. We, they used to have to work, uh, you know, uh, at least last I checked in the mid to late 2000s and early 2010s, they had to go through our agencies to operate. Then they were given free reign because, hey, you're in the United States, you still have Miranda rights, right, uh, and such. So, we, no, they had to work with us. How this is ha- being handled here, I don't know. So, good question on this. Some other Asia news here. This is from the Straits Times. By the way, I just found out we have a lot of followers in Singapore. And it started when I started reading uh, news about Southeast Asia. One of the newspapers I read is the Straits Times, which is out of Singapore. And I tell you what, 
when there's a safety issue in Singapore, they do a phenomenal job of reporting on it. I wish uh, the American press would do as good of a job as they do here because it's, I mean, they do deep dives. And uh, what I like most about Singapore and their safety is the name of their safety organization. It's called MOM, the Ministry of Manpower. So uh, you'll see uh, a lot of uh, stuff here uh, that has a bent against, uh, not against, but a bent uh, uh, with uh, a Southeast Asian flair here because I'm reading it. No, I read a lot of sources here. I was the guy before the internet who would read three or four newspapers a day. Yeah. By the way, that's soda. That's not beer. Okay. Facing a severely contested environment, Japan and the U.S. will significantly enhance security and military coordination and the capability the two sides said on Wednesday. So uh, basically, uh, we're upgrading and helping Japan upgrade a lot of their uh, forces in response to China. And the uh, U.S. will upgrade its military capabilities on Okinawa and uh when this is something that I did not realize. Again, this uh, an American with our limited geographical knowledge here, right? It's uh, Taiwan is only 120 kilometer kilometers from Okinawa, Japan. Wow! So it's uh, any buildup in Okinawa, right? It's going to impact the area. And again, I always am talking about peace, right? Now, uh, here we have, uh, let's see if I can find the story here. Hold on. We have two related stories here from two totally different sources, which is why I like to read a lot. So we're told... Now, that is a conspiracy theory, right? That's what they do to try to get you to to this uh, to uh, discredit you. Everything's a conspiracy theory, right? Oh, that well. Here we have, and I, as I I've been following since about 1993, our demographic issues in the United States, and as we recall, uh, the. No, United States, our economy is a consumer-based economy, right? We're buying things. A lot of the indexes that we're taught that we use in, to track the economy in this country are housing indexes, no, buying housing, construction, right? Housing, consumer goods, everything else, buy, 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 buy. When do people spend the most amount of money? When they're in their late, mid to late 30s up to the about 45 or 50. All right? So, it, it uh, uh, stands to reason that if you have less, fewer 35 to 50-year-olds, you're going to have less purchase, Correct? 
So, for example, Harley-Davidson, yes, the motorcycle company, right? They were having all different types of problems in the mid-80s. And why was that? Because the people who were the most interested in buying Harley-Davidson motorcycles were, guess what? Well, who do you think they were? Baby boomers. And I'm a Gen Xer here, right? Not so many of us compared to the baby boomers. And people started to buy fewer and fewer Harley-Davidsons. They went through a big nightmare in the mid to to late 80s, early 90s. A lot of other products. Remember, 92, during the presidential race, we were just coming out of a uh, recession and which caused uh, uh, one of the causes of George H.W. Bush to lose the election in the 92 after coming out of a high uh, approval rating, like a 93% approval rating with the first Gulf War. All this stuff worked in there with the economy. So demographics does have an impact on the, on the economy. You don't have people buying. You got to get people buying. So you get them buying things that they don't need, the things that they don't want, impulse buying. Then you loosen up immigration policies and everything else to get people in there because we need to have a growing economy. What the reality is, the leading ec, uh, no, the leading economic uh, uh, engine that's going to be driving our economy for the next 30 years or so is probably going to be immigrants from Central and South America. That's what the reality is because we have a low birth rate in this country. We're looking at a uh, University of Ohio, Ohio State University, and University of North uh, Carolina. Two people, Sarah Hayford and Karen Benjamin Guzzo, came out with a study. Here it is. Birth rates are falling in the United States after the highs of the baby boom in the mid-20th century, the lows of the baby bust in the 1970s. That's us, Gen Xers. Birth rates were relatively stable for nearly 50 years, but during the Great Recession from 2007 to 2009, birth rates declined sharply, and they've kept falling. By 2021, levels have dropped more than 20% close to uh, the lowest level in a century. Why? Right? Uh, why Why are they not? Uh, are they people facing increasing barriers to becoming parents or people aren't interested in having children? Probably a little bit of both. So right now, in 1970, the year I was born, we had a birth rate of 2.5. That's the total fertility rate, right? Right now, we're dealing with a birth fertility rate of 1.7, right? And it comes down to... Uh, the, the, what 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 do they do? They don't really give too many options here. And let me scroll down. One of the things people are getting a later start in having kids. All right, I'll use myself as an example. I got married very late in life. Right, uh, relatively. Uh, I was forty. I'm not going to tell you how old my wife was uh, with this, and it's kind of funny because I have people that I grew up with 
that have full-blown kids, and a couple of them are grandparents already. And when I would go to uh, certain amusement parks, like down in Orlando, I said, oh, your grand, your grandkid is so beautiful. Your granddaughter is so beautiful. Uh, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, here we have in Sydney, right, the COVID-19 pandemic, and this is out of uh, uh, Southeast Asia, Straits Times, they're having the same issue here, right, in Australia. Hmm. Incredible. Where they're having, uh, uh, because of COVID and everything else, things are dropping. So this is starting to hit the mainstream news. And it's not so much a conspiracy theory anymore about declining demographics. Uh, there is also reason why this has all become uh, very uh, popular, right? Demographic studies is there is a TV series on Hulu. In my opinion, this is an opinion. I don't have data, but my suspicion called The Handmaid's Tale. That is, it talks about a demographic collapse in the United States and throughout the world. And a religious cult takes over the United States. And, right, right so this is not so far out of the uh, thing, out of the uh, conversation and nutty here. Let's talk about some vaccination uh, news. The FDA vaccine advisors disappointed and angry that early data about new COVID-19 booster shot wasn't presented for review last year. Some vaccine advisors in the federal government say they're disappointed and angry that government scientists and the pharmaceutical company Moderna didn't present a set of infection data that accompanies new COVID-19 booster, which I got, during meetings last year when the advisors discussed whether the shot should be authorized. The data suggested the possibility that they did eventually receive that the updated booster may not have be any more effective at preventing COVID. Isn't that interesting? Okay. There has been no public announcement about what caused DeMar Hamlin's cardiac arrest after a tackle on Monday Night Football on January 2nd, but that hasn't been stopped people from speculating. Dr. Philip Yang, a cardiologist in California, told Yahoo News today that heart problems following COVID vaccination are theoretically possible but rare. Okay. You gave out billions of doses of this. I've heard some weird numbers, like 2 billion doses. Eventually, when you give it out to, you know, uh, let's say they, everyone gets a two doses, that's a billion people. I think you might, that little thing, well, this is rare. Mike, your numbers may overcome that. That's my own thinking on this. I'm not telling anyone not to get a vaccination or two to get a vaccination. My advice is to consult with your doctor as always, or your medical professionals. Uh, so, uh, blah, blah, blah. The CDC has said, is monitoring reports of myocarditis and inflammation in the heart metal and pericarditis and inflammation in the outer lining of the heart after someone received a vaccination. Symptoms of myocarditis or pericarditis may include chest pain, shortness of breath, feeling of having a fast beating, fluttering, and pounding heart. In cases after vaccination, most have been reported in adolescents and young adults males within a week of the second dose of the vaccine. 
While the severity of myocarditis and pericarditis cases can vary, most patients with reported cases received care, responded well to medicine, rest, and felt better quickly. Experts stress that myocarditis or pericarditis after vaccination is very uncommon. The CDC said in September that of the more than 123 million people as of last September had received COVID shots and had verified 131 cases of myocarditis. All right. Uh, and data published by the CDC in 2021 found 12.6 cases per million second doses administered. I won't do the math on there. So we're looking at. 126. We're looking at like about the same number. Myocarditis and are triggered by a viral infection. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of information and disinformation from there. I don't know what to make out of it. But again, right? Here we have more healthcare news. Cancer deaths are down 33% in 30 years. I'm glad to say my wife has been a, has been a uh, part of this and the cancer organization she works for uh, as an event and meeting planner. Cancer deaths in the U.S. have decreased by 33% over the past three decades, according to the American Cancer Society. After peaking in 1991, the mortality rate from cancer has continued to fall over the last 30 years due to decreases in smoking and improved cancer detection and treatment. And this trend continued in 2020, the most recent year of which data is available. A drop in the mortality rates from lung cancer has been a driver of this trend, the study noted. However, lung cancer remains among the most deadly forms of cancer, holding the highest death rate for men and women. Cancer was the second leading cause of death in the U.S. If we recall uh, yesterday, I believe it was, or today, the 12th, was uh, the death of, uh, was the birthday of a uh, per, uh, radio talk show host. It was his birthday yesterday. He died of cancer back in 2021 from lung cancer. Right? I, I, a lot of people I know who were smokers after his death stopped smoking. Same thing with Rod Serling back in the 80s. When Rod's, a lot of people from the Twilight Zone, the original host, Rod Serling died. A lot of people stopped smoking. Right now, smoking rates have went from 6 in 10 back in the 1950s and 60s to 1 in 5, meaning 20 in 100 or 2 in 10. People smoke. And I tell you what, I'm finding it uh, hard because of restrictions. The only place you see people smoking is the porta bodies nowadays. So take it for what it's worth. People with diabetes are struggling to find Ozempic as a source of popularity as a weight loss drug. I tell you what, uh, People who I've known who are on the Ozempic say that they cannot control their appetite without it. Because you might say, uh, there is something, I think, there's something more going on here with weight loss and weight gain than we know. Because I tell you what, people even on the insulin, they tell you to do this, do that, and they'll manage your diet. 
that it's very difficult for people to come overcome constant hunger issues. Extremely difficult. I went on uh, intermittent fasting. I'm not recommending any diet in particular. It was hell for me for the first three weeks. Yeah, I lost like 30 pounds, 40 pounds off it, and I managed to keep it off. Right, managed to such a point that I have to at the end of this season, I got to get rid of all my winter clothes because they're all too big, and that's leading to issues. So, uh, Ozempic, right, kills a lot of the hunger pains. So, you could see where this could be popular with people trying to lose weight because you're not going to be hungry. So, uh, the other, uh, uh, drug, the non-diabetic one is Wagovi, right? And which is, uh, no, Ozempic, basically, but Ozempic is for diabetics and it's used off-label and everything else. But the advantage of Ozempic is this. Uh, Ozempic, Ozempic uh, uh, reportedly, right, you're less likely to have a heart attack with Ozempic. So if you have a lot of people are on this, again, it's for weight loss, it's for managing diabetes, but it also helps prevent heart attacks, according to some reports. So there's a lot of reasons why people are taking this. New York City nurses strike. And this is, uh, again, we cannot do anything about when these things go on strike or anything like this. A lot of what what doesn't go on like with the economy and everything, but New York, but we cannot, what are you going to do when you know that there might be a strike coming up of a healthcare professionals? How are you going to manage that? Whenever you hear something like this, especially you have chronic health issues. You need to ask yourself as far as uh, our disaster preparation stuff. Right, disaster prep and everything else. If you're a prepper, how are you going to respond to this? What they ended up doing was canceling, uh, canceling uh, non-necessary surgeries, right? Elective surgeries, bringing in supply nurses, uh, discharging people early from the hospital, things of that nature. But that you know, but again, this is not a final deal. The nurses returned to the hospital on Thursday. I'm, you know, and just, what are you going to do about it? I should get Dawn Becker uh, to comment on this. So insured losses from natural disasters totaled $120 billion in 2022 as climate change and the La Nina weather pattern fueled extreme storms and flood. Uh, according, uh, right, according to one source here. Right, blah, blah, blah. Hurricane Ian, which or Ian, which devastated Florida and floods in Pakistan, Australia, and China were among the costliest natural disaster. Hurricane Ian in the United States killed 150 people, that and caused 100 billion dollars in total losses. Right, set only sixty billion dollars of which was insured. In Asia, natural disasters caused seventy billion dollars, with only ten billion dollars of this insured. So there's a huge gap in insurance and everything else. How's that going to be impacted? Now let's uh, face it. You, everyone here knows what my uh, 
opinions are on this global warming thing uh, and everything. Uh, I think we're going to have to learn to manage it rather than rather than uh, uh, putting all these spending all this money and resources and everything else, right? This is from the New York Times, according to an article by Hiroko Tabuchi. And I, we've heard this over the years. Uh, so basically, Exxon, uh, back in the 1970s, had data that said that uh, fossil fuels would warm the planet. And then denied doing it for years. Now, what, why is this in the news? Is that uh, the uh, there is a lawsuit that is allowing... Uh, uh, that's being allowed to proceed against ExxonMobil saying that they withheld data and uh, things of that nature uh, for that. This is in response to a new study uh, published Thursday in the Journal of Science found out over the next decades, Exxon's scientists from the 1970s made remarkably accurate projections on how much burning fossil fuels would warm the planet. This is all being litigated uh, right now. And... Uh, I don't know. I think the numbers are so small that kind of uh, hard to uh, it's kind of hard to argue this one way or another. Now, looking at the numbers here uh, with that, would, would this have happened anyway? I mean, I don't know. Uh, there was other data that was observed in the 70s that Al Gore had documented in his uh, uh, movie and uh, Right, that talked about this also from the mid-70s. So I don't know. We'll see how this shakes out in a court of law. And what do we got? How many more minutes? I think I got to sign off here. Yes. So that's all, what we got for Safety Wars uh, for uh, Thursday, January 12th, 2023. I hope to be back here tomorrow. And now be aware, it's Friday the 13th. Be careful out there, guys and gals, and good night. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.
Mr. Safety Training, old, stale, and hacked. Mr. Safety Trainer, still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety. How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Polzel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. 